0: Dr Fiona Mackay and I'm here with Dr Kate Anderson today who's going to talk to us about her research in disability and inclusion. Hi Kate. Hi Fiona, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself uh, before we begin? Yeah, sure. So I teach into the
1: disability and inclusion pathway and uh, I guess everybody that comes into disability tends to come in from pretty diverse backgrounds so I'm a speech pathologist by trade. Um, I started out working as a speech pathologist after I graduated and went into the field of cerebral palsy so I was working with a lot of kids who were using assistive technology particularly assistive technology for communication so children who couldn't talk and were using computers to help them speak and As I was um, looking at this, I realised that there was a very big gap. We were prescribing a lot of communication devices for kids and they were going straight home or to school and sitting in a cupboard and never being used, um, which is a fairly common story with assistive technology Mm -hmm. across the board. So I um, worked for a few years in the field of cerebral palsy and then decided that I really wanted to do something about it. And so I started a PhD and um, my topic was looking at alternative ways of providing to support to families who had a new communication device. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the things that we looked at were group interventions, peer support and telepractice which is delivery of services online for families particularly those who were maybe too busy to come in for regular intervention Mm -hmm. or living in a rural and remote
0: area. Oh great, so you're not that far out of your PhD, Um, can you tell us a little bit about what you found? Yeah for sure, so I ran a, um, first I did some
1: Uh, focus group studies so asking parents and asking service providers what were the support and training needs of families Mm -hmm. of kids who used this sort of communication technology and so we were asking questions like you know what sorts of training would you like to receive what stops you from being able to use your children's communication device Mm -hmm. Um, and what kind of format would support be best delivered in and what we found from that was that a lot of families had difficulty either accessing traditional support services, coming in for therapy or attending group training, mm-hmm. um, but really liked the idea of internet-delivered um, training and support. Mm-hmm. And so we and we're already doing a lot of internet um, based training or research. And so I trialled a um, training package that I had developed for children and their families who were using a particular type of device Mm -hmm. and we ran it for several months of providing twice a week um, online services via Skype Mm -hmm. and um, we found that parents and their children did make some gains um, in their use of the communication technology And probably the more interesting thing was that they were surprised by how well the intervention went. They were surprised by how easy it was to develop rapport um, with their clinician. And they were surprised by um, how, how little difference there really was between getting therapy in a clinic room versus getting therapy over a webcam.
0: Yeah, great. Yeah. That's really good. Um, sounds really positive. So what sort of devices were you using?
1: So the children are using um, high-tech communication devices. So they are using, um, I suppose, it's a little bit like a laptop. Mm-hmm. They type in using pictures or letters, and it says words out aloud. Yep. Um, when we were delivering the training, I was relying very heavily on webcams to watch what was going on mm-hmm. in that child's home environment. So we would set up a webcam on either end of the line, I would spend about 15 minutes watching the child and their parent play and interact and do some language modelling. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I would sit down with the parent in front of the webcam and talk through what the positive and the negative things had been in the session and where the parents could learn from. We used a lot of technology. So not only did we have webcams and um, the the screen sharing software, Mm -hmm. but we were also using a lot of email for communication. So
0: it was quite a comprehensive Um, and very technology heavy intervention yep but I imagine that when it works for a family, it makes a massive difference to their life.
1: Yes, and we were finding that a lot of these families had really said, I wouldn't have been able to sustain this level of home practice or mm-hmm. home intervention yep. without having somebody just there on the other end of the internet line, I suppose, um, to to be immediately available, to be able to answer questions over email. They really liked the immediacy of it. They mm-hmm. liked the flexibility of it. Yep. Um, and they found that, uh, it really gave them some options, especially when their children were unwell or when they were too busy with other caregiving duties. Yeah, great.
0: Yeah. Um, so I know you've recently begun looking at, or a project looking at, uh, augmentive and alternative therapy. Can you tell us a little bit about that as well?
1: Yeah, so the field that I work in is called augmentative and alternative communication. And so it encompasses not just children who are using speech generating devices, Mm -hmm. but children who are learning other forms of alternative communication like sign language or perhaps picture boards, Mm -hmm. things like um, picture exchange cards that we often see in kids with autism. Mm -hmm. So a wide range of alternative communication strategies and um, my project that we've just had funded that we're about to start recruiting for is really an extension of some questions I had from my PhD. So um, one of the things that we found out when I was doing my PhD was that a lot of parents were doing research on their children's communication and communication options online. Mm -hmm. And so the question that really came to us was how reliable is the information that Parents actually get online how are they searching for it how mm-hmm. are they validating it mm-hmm. um and you know what do they take away from those sorts of internet searches yep. and so this project is going to be looking at the ways that parents go about answering questions they have mm-hmm. around their kids communication um when they're in an online
0: environment great yeah so i know you haven't um really begun this project yet but what do you anticipate what are the um key findings that you're hoping to generate sure well we know from other studies looking at parents
1: online research around their children's health conditions Mm -hmm. that um parents certainly do use the internet a lot um and that also the information that they find is variable Mm -hmm. in quality. There have been a lot of surveys and interview studies asking parents what they want in terms of um, accessible information. Parents want information that's clear, that's relevant to them, Mm -hmm. um, and they want to be able to know how to tell good information from bad Um, One of the things that we're hoping to find from this study, and it's a little bit of a different study, what we're actually doing in this one is we're taking parents and sitting them down in front of a computer Mm -hmm. and we're actually going to watch them... Um, go about an internet right. search. We give them some tasks yep. and watch them go through that. It's mm-hmm. a process called usability testing mm-hmm. and it's been used in other, um, I suppose, product testing in the commercial environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to take those methods and see how parents go about searching for information. Yep. Um, and from that, we're hoping to work out um, where they take wrong turns, how they actually go about. A praising the information in real time and we're also going to ask them some questions around the format of information. Um, One of the things that we're hoping to get out of it is a sense of how service providers can make information, good quality information, more readily accessible for Mm -hmm. people who are searching online. So being able to work out Um, what sorts of keywords parents use to search for that information Mm -hmm. and then passing that information back onto the service providers so they can use that I I guess as a way as a a hook of getting parents to access the right kind of information
0: yeah that sounds really interesting so then what um, what do you want to do next Where is this going to lead so
1: with the NDIS, we are seeing that a lot of people have increasing levels of control over the way that they spend their funding. And for parents of kids with a disability, a lot of that funding is going to be, um, you know, dispersed in areas like assistive technology and interventions and parents are going to play a critical role in deciding how that funding gets spent. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're aiming to do is um, What I would like to do on a larger scale Mm -hmm. is to work with organisations like the NDIA, the authority that is um, responsible for delivering the NDIS, to develop things like information portals and hubs Mm -hmm. that help families to access um, useful and relevant information about various types of disabilities and various types of interventions or assistive technology um, in a very quick and a very um, accessible format. So that's kind of the general idea of what we might be working towards yep. in this um, uh, online information era in healthcare.
0: That's great. Sounds really uh, important and timely.
1: Yes, it should be good. <laughs> Fingers crossed and watch this space, I guess.
0: Indeed. <laughs> Thanks very much for your time. Thank you.